Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Satan has a goal for you, for me, and for a church. He loves to divide. God loves to unite. Satan loves to divide. He will try to find a way to divide your home, your unity, and your marriage. Can two walk together unless they agree? No. So why do we have all these divorces? Because people won't submit to each other. They just head off and do their own thing. Well, God hates that. When you look around the world, what do you see? Disunity and chaos. Lots of anger and angry people. And sometimes you see that same disunity and anger in the church. There's recently been news of a major denomination agreeing to split up over a social issue. Clearly not unity. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the need for Christ followers to be different than the world. You'll hear that the church is expected to exhibit unity and respect and to obey godly authority. You'll learn that when God's rules are obeyed, that the church organization can be a light in the world's darkness. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 as he continues his message, Biblical Truths in Action in a Church Family. Leadership in the church, you have to understand this. Leadership, pastor, teachers, elders, we deal all the time with life and death. You understand that in a physical way. People that are sick, berries, funerals, all those kind of things. But realistically, most of our work is really death and life that's eternal. Where are people going to spend eternity? And that we take very seriously. Paul understood the great responsibility of being a godly leader, and he challenged the younger pastors and elders. Understand what you're doing. The congregation is to obey and submit to their leaders. Now, Paul planted lots of churches, and he always had younger pastors as we do. As you know, we're raising more and more younger pastors up. Our praise bands, we're getting younger people in there. There's nothing wrong with the older people. Some of us older people are still here. But we just keep doing that because why? You want the next generation to do what? Eventually take over, obviously. Now, when Paul was leaving this group of pastors and elders in Ephesus, he went with them. Look what he wrote. These are all pastors. He writes to them this. Keep watch over yourself. In other words, Pay attention. You're a role model. You better be doing what God called you to do. Then he says this, and all the flock, which is the congregation, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You see, God planted you in this church if you call this your church. 
He knew who the leaders were going to be. And so we are to make sure we watch over ourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made us. Now here we are. Be shepherds of the church of God. This is not my church. This is not your church. This is God's church. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So Paul writes this, but when you watch that, what is he saying? He's saying to these leaders, look, you are here. You are responsible, pastor leaders, to the people under your care. You have to declare the whole truth in a loving way to protect people from Satan's desire to kill, steal, and destroy. On judgment day, Every pastor, every spiritual elder will have to give an account of their ministry, their methods, their character, their attitudes, and their integrity. Now, that's hard because we're not perfect. He's not going to expect us to be perfect. But see, I'm going to have to stand before God how I dealt with you. Did I do it in a loving way? Did I do it with the correct attitude? Is my character close to growing to be more and more like godly. Do I have an attitude? Do, do I want to beat you, drive you, or do I lovingly want to serve you? I'm going to have to stand before God. Now, that's something that I always knew because I was born, like I told you, in a house with a grandfather and a dad that was a pastor. You're going to have to stand for your own direction, but you have a less issue. Why? Because I have thousands of people that I'm responsible for. Under God, that is a challenge to all of us. Warren Wiersbe says this, one day every pastor will have a given account of his ministry to the Lord God. And he wants to be able to do it with joy. A disobedient Christian will find on that day that the results of their disobedience are unprofitable, not for the pastor, but for themselves. You see, I have to try to challenge you, and I'll do that. Paul's doing it. I'm just reading what Paul's doing. I have to challenge you to keep growing, to keep maturing, to keep in unity. I can't make you do that. I could try to drive you to make you to do that. Of course not. I could say to you, do this. No, I have to challenge you to do it, and then you have to do it because you have your own will. So if a person doesn't respect the pastor, if he's teaching the word, and challenging you, say, I'm not interested at all, then who's the one that's really going to suffer? You, not me. I can't respond to you. But I will respond if I'm not doing well in the pulpit, if I'm not kindly teaching you and admonishing you. Then he says this in verse 12, live in peace with each other. The only way we can have peace in a family. By the way, do you need peace in your home? Do you need unity in your home? Oh, yes. But in the church, we have to follow spiritual leaders who are following God. If we do that, it flows together. So here's the third key Paul is saying to the congregation, and I'm teaching you. The congregation is to live in peace and unity. The focus is unity. Real life is done with real people. Conflict, tension, disagreements, hurt feelings, broken relationships. All of us are real people here. We have real relationships. But when I submit to God in his leadership, in his word, the result will be this. Unity, but not any division. 
Satan has a goal for you, for me, and for a church. He loves to divide. God loves to unite. Satan loves to divide. He will try to find a way to divide your home, your unity, and your marriage. Can two walk together unless they agree? No. So why do we have all these divorces? Because people won't submit to each other. They just head off and do their own thing. Well, God hates that. He likes unity. He likes people working together. Strength is in unity, flowing together. Satan always wants to divide us. He likes to split us up. Now, can I say this to you? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You think they're in unity? Perfect unity. Now, we'll never be perfect, but that's our goal. And so Paul says, you need to be at peace with one another. Shouldn't be division. And you should have that unity that flows together. Now, I just want to say thank you. I want all of you looking at me (laughs) on the comments. Put that shake down right now. Put it down. Here we go. For 27 years, we've never had any kind of a split in our church in 27 years. Some of you have church history. I think I've been through one, two, three churches that had splits in my life. Three. And what does that do to the community? They laugh at us. You're supposed to love God. You put to be together. Look at that. And you know, we have more of this today. People will split off a church and go, and a pastor will plant a church next to the one they just were at. And the world just laughs at that. How foolish. Thank you. You know who's responsible for that? Number one, who's responsible for us not have? Now, you say, Pastor Mark, you mean nobody's ever left your church? Get real. Of course, lots of people leave the church, but they don't leave with the 500 others. You got me? They're just not happy. And that's okay. God moves people from time to time. By the way, sometimes those people come back. They say, I can't, I just can't get away from that short guy up there. I'm just joking. Now, who is really responsible for that unity? Because it's his church. But you know what? You guys play a huge role. Thank you for not being divisive. All that kind of stuff all the time. You're just wonderful people. It just really helps me a lot. Thank you. Now, here, I'm going to do this very quick. We just thought how you're supposed to respond to the leadership. Now, I'm going to talk about the leaders, what they should be so that they can lead you properly. I don't want you to write these down. Submit to me, please. (laughs) Notice I use the word please because it is not for you. This is for the pastors. I'm going to talk about this Wednesday to the pastors when I lead them. So look what we're challenged to do as pastors so we can lead you properly. Here we go. We have to work hard with excellence. Why? Because I'm working for God. You say, well, that's strange. Uh, By the way, every Christian, what job you have, parent, work, you're working for God. You're not working for yourself. When people look at my work ethic, they should go, well, why are you striving with that? Because I love God. God's assigned me to it. Number two, here's the big one. I teach this to the young guys and including myself. We have to focus on character, not charisma. Do you know the problem with our government today? Basically, no character hardly anywhere. Charisma. 
charisma. I can capture these people because I can speak, I can do all this. Well, that's why we have a divided nation, a horribly divided nation. I think there's, I don't know what it is, I think there's 900 million people who are voting in India right now. Think of that. That's three times the American people. And I forgot how many, like a thousand parties to vote for. How in the world do you do that? How about a church? You've probably seen this if you've been in church. A charismatic leader, a great person, capture your attention. The person that died on the back row, they're still saying amen with this guy. He can just get people going. And when he leaves the church for a moral issue, you know what a lot of the people in the church do? They follow him. Character, sorry, before charisma. We challenge the pastors. It's not your charisma. It's your godly character that people want to follow. Number three, love and lead God's people with humility. Not with pride. Number four, be a godly example for others to follow. You look at us. Number five, encourage, correct, warn, and teach the truth of God's word. That's what we do here. There's a lot of churches that won't teach God's word anymore. They'll teach parts of the word, but they won't touch the other. Sorry, I'm answering to God. His word is 100% true. Next. Now, this is a big one for all of us. Remember, the church is God's church. We have to follow his lead. When I'm studying... That's why I go back to God. When the elders are talking about what to do, how to expand, do we open another campus to do this, all all those things from the start, we're listening to God. We are not the head of the church. God is the head of the church. So we have to do that. Now, Paul is writing these instructions. And when you see all these to the church, there's one thing that was a big deal with Paul. Design the church as a family of people who come together on a regular basis to worship and to learn God's word. That's what we do. I want to I want to break up right now and I want you to just kind of welcome your people next to you and say this to them. And if you can't say it then just don't say it. But I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this. I love my church. Good. Those of you that don't I'll admonish you. If you lied, the Holy Spirit will admonish you. I love my church. Now, I want you to say one more thing and look for people behind you, in front of you. Get ready. I love my church family. Yeah, look at them. Aren't they funky people out there? Amazing, isn't it? And let's say this one at the end. I love God's family. Come on. I love God's family. We're a church. We're a family. Now, the bad part is there's nobody perfect here (laughs) except for God. But we're family. You see, and God expects the family to be together. When the early church got started, remember on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people. Most of them didn't know one another. They're from countries all over the place. But if you watch chapter 2 in the book of Acts and you watch them, they did something very important. There was a key word in the early church, together. Together, a family works, plays, worships together. That's the key. We don't do things on our own. Now, we don't know who really the book of Hebrews was written by. Some people think Paul's whatever. I know who really wrote the book of Hebrews. 
God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so we don't have to worry. But watch what he says in Hebrews 3. Look on the overhead. See to it, brothers, that none of you, now he's writing to believers, has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Paul knew that these new Christians could easily get sidetracked. So he's warning them. God doesn't want any of you to have a sinful, unbelieving heart, and you turn from God. Now, what he's saying is you stop growing and maturing to be more like God. And he says, I want to warn you. What Paul is saying is this. And by the way, he's saying it to all of us today. Jesus is always moving on, but we decide to take a different path. Remember what Jesus said to us, follow me. There's the path, follow me. But if we're not careful, we can get sidetracked. And all of a sudden, we've come, well, we've just gotten off the path. We're doing our own thing. Nothing good will happen in our lives if you're not following Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you lost your salvation, but you can't be led by God if you're doing your own thing. And Paul's warning them. Now, ask yourself this morning, are you still following Jesus? Or have the cares of the life kind of got you to the side? It's time to get back in line as a family. Come on back home. All of us sometimes in little ways do that. We get off doing our things. The second thing we see is this. Jesus is moving on. But we are standing still. In reality, people think, well, I'm still doing with God. Let me just show it like this. Here's Jesus. I should have somebody up here to do it. Here's Jesus. He's moving on. Okay? And here's a person that's a Christian. They're not maturing in their walk. They got sidetracked with all the cares of life, how fast life is, and all that kind of thing. Here's a person back here. And I'll just use this as an example. Jesus is moving on. And I'm here. And a lot of people say, well, it's fine. I can still see him. I'm good. I'm good. The farther he goes, what happens to my relationship with God? Well, I'm, I'm the same. No, you're not the same. The distance is greater every single day. And pretty soon, where's he at? That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Where are you? Are you following me? Let me ask you yourself. Maybe you've got off the road. Maybe you just have stopped. And you find out, well, I'll drop by church whenever. I'll open my Bible when I get a chance. No, people think it's okay. We're never going forward unless you are really going forward. You don't just sit. You go backward, backward. No, I'm fine, Pastor Mark. No, you're not. He's farther away from you than he's ever been. We don't catch up by sitting. We catch up by following. So ask yourself, how are you doing? Are you in close relationship with God as you were? Or is it time to go, whoops, let me get up, let me go back and start growing as a Christian again? Now, here are three keys to make sure you're growing spiritually and going forward. Not getting off on the side and not just sitting and kind of going through the whole thing of church. You see, sometimes we have to be very careful in our church, that we become nothing but spectators. You see, if a church is spectators, that means you're here for an hour and a half. Hey, 
Yay, way to go, Bomber. The crowd music was good. You're good. Great, great, great. See you in a few weeks. No, you do that at a football game. Here, we leave, and when we leave here, we go to the mission field. We're taking our gifts. We're ministering to people. We're serving in the church. Do you get the difference? That's why Paul wrote to the church. Are you growing? Are you maturing? Are you getting better in your walk with God? Let me give you three things. Look what Paul writes. I just say Paul because I think he wrote Hebrews, but he may not have. Here we go. See to it, brothers, sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. We already read that. That turns away from living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Watch this. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here's what you want to write. Christ followers need to be aware of the deceitfulness of sin. Satan's a great deceiver. He will always tempt you, but he will not tempt you and tell you what the result if you follow him. He'll always lie to you. You know, that church says you can't do this, you can't do that, and you can't do this kind of thing. You have to obey God's word. That's ridiculous. Come on, follow me. Let's get free. I'll show you freedom and joy and peace. It's never true. He's a great deceiver. So sometimes we just slowly drift away in our walk with God. And Satan will say something like this. Everybody's doing it. What's the big deal? Well, it is a big deal. See, we can get discouraged. We can get depressed. We can get caught up in this fast place of life. All of a sudden, we're isolated from our friends. And we soon discover that somehow we stop growing. Maybe that's you at our campuses today. Somebody will say this to me from time to time. Pastor Mark, thanks a lot for that warning of being hardened by the deceitfulness of Satan. But that will never happen to me. Really? Guess who's already been deceived? Right there. Don't ever say that. All of us can be deceived. Satan is way smarter than you and me. But God's word warns us, don't go there. I love this verse. I found it in Psalm 17.5. My steps have stayed on your path. I have not wavered from following you. Yes. That's where I want you to go. That's where I want to go. Let's stay maturing, growing followers of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Come on. Let's go what we should be doing. But encourage one another. How often? What is daily? Man. Well, that means people in your home, people that were Christians. And notice, here's number two. I must be, as a Christian, connected to others in a small group. See, encourage others. Well, it's going to be my home, but this is our church family. I have to encourage you. Now, to encourage you, remember, God designed us, number one, to believe. And number two, God designed us to belong. See, believing is not enough. You're not to do church alone. You're not to do life alone. In today's message, Pastor Mark taught about the character traits that leaders in the church should have. He talked about their need to work hard and with excellence. He also talked about focusing on their having high character, not just charisma. You were told to keep your own heart soft toward God and to stay in fellowship with both Him and your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will wrap up his teaching Biblical Truths in Action in a Church Family. He'll continue speaking about what the church should look like from both the leadership and the congregational viewpoints. You'll be warned about the dangers of letting your relationship with God grow comfortable and becoming complacent. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving